Well, hello, listeners, and welcome back to another full-length episode of Views from the Crow's Nest, a podcast about current or emerging trends in finance, technology, data science, and various other domains of the business sector. This podcast is produced in-house for Fisher Jordan, a New York-based strategy consulting, thought leadership, and outsourcing firm helping business leaders exchange complexity for clarity. Fisher Jordan provides decision makers in financial services and healthcare with clear strategies backed by analytics and enabled by tailored technology solutions. More information about Fisher Jordan's focus areas, career opportunities, and current publications are all available at fisherjordan.com. That's F-I-S-C-H-E-R, Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N.com. The problem of food insecurity has been a topic on this podcast before, and along with that, we've talked about Fisher Jordan's FAIR initiative, which stands for Food Availability Improvement Resource, and is the primary avenue for giving back to the communities where this firm operates. With FAIR, Fisher Jordan has partnered with over a dozen volunteer-run nonprofit food pantries and food banks in the U.S., India, and Israel, providing them with crucial food items directly to help provide food for those in need in a way that maximizes the impact of every dollar spent. Over the past two years, Fisher Jordan's work with FAIR has delivered over 50 tons of food items to these partners, and this is work that is only going to continue. In today's episode, we are checking back in with some of our U.S. FAIR partners who were on this podcast back in April of this year. We're now several months into an inflationary environment, so we wanted to know how these organizations are making accommodations for rising food prices. Additionally, as the holiday season approaches here in the U.S., we wanted to know how our partners are responding to families in need at this time of year. We also talk a little bit about pursuing local food sourcing options and alternatives in their particular context. You can find out more about every organization in this episode from links in the show notes or from fisherjordan.com slash communities. Thanks for tuning into this special episode of Views from the Crow's Nest. Now let's get to the conversation. Well, welcome, friends. Uh, thanks again for jumping back on uh, as we check back in on on where things were or are for you after our discussion back in April, and also uh, just kind of look ahead to uh, the coming year and the, and the holiday season and what that looks like for your organizations uniquely. So let's just start with like who we have on the call here. Uh, Warren, do you want to just start us off and, and get us reacquainted with uh, who you are and where you are? Yes, uh, my name is Warren Hammonds. I'm the executive director of the Colonial Heights Food Pantry, which is uh, this area's food bank's primary hunger relief agency in our small area, about 30 miles south of Richmond, Virginia. Yes, uh, Helen Osborne, son and Tooth with the River Food Pantry in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, so South Central Wisconsin. We're the, not the largest food pantry, uh, square foot wise, but the busiest on uh, the number of folks that, that we get to serve each week. And we are, Second Harvest is our local food bank um, and we're their largest partner as well. Hi, uh, Mike Lutz, I'm with Broomfield Fish. Uh, we're in Broomfield, Colorado, right between Boulder and Denver. We're a family resource center and I think Broomfield's primary um, food relief agency. And um, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm David Crawford. I'm the director of food service for AJS Harvest. We're in Chicago, yeah. Illinois. Uh, we service Rogers Park and uh, basically all of Cook, most of Cook County. Perfect. Well, thank you all for being here. And then, of course, I'm also joined by uh, Boaz Salik, uh, managing partner at Fisher Jordan, and uh, my associate Deba Goyle as well. Uh, great to be uh, back having you guys here 
on the discussion. Yes. Let's just get into it. I would love to hear from each of you about any special plans and activities that your organization has uh, for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like what, what does the holiday season look like for y'all? Um, is there anything unique about this year as, as we are, are dealing with uh, rising food prices um, and, and different effects of that? Uh, is there any sort of, of way that that's impacting you guys for the holidays? What does support from your vendors look like uh, or special meals and distribution programs that you might be doing? Um, just anything that, that is on your docket for the holiday season. Um, all right. This is uh, David with Agent Harvest. Because of the food prices, one of the things we did with our food partners and with our vendors, instead of supplying turkeys, we asked them to supply gift cards. So just in case there is a shortage of turkeys, and there is, uh, we can give out gift cards to our patrons, and they can buy a different type of meat, or they can buy what they want to eat. And so far, we've gotten a pretty good reply from Jules and from um, Food for Less, especially with our food partners. Uh, this Saturday, we'll be passing out 400 turkeys. Uh, and the families that don't get turkeys will get gift cards. So they actually pur purchase what they want because we've seen a, a uptake by about maybe 7 to 10% of vegetarians, vegans, and people that have gluten problems. I talked to a cooker, a friend of mine, and he says that unfortunately that seems to be growing more and more. He has celiac disease. The other thing that we're also doing is we're networking with as many food pantries and community kitchens as we can about resources and sharing them. Uh, if they have access to, let's say, fresh vegetables that somebody else does and they get more, can they share them? And then we'll do the same with canned foods, dry foods, or whatever. Uh, if they have more vegetarians or if they have more people that don't eat pork. So basically, we're getting, getting together all the directors and we're cutting the city off in sections. And if you can share, share if you're running short on something. So it's a primary board that somebody's going to put together for us to have a conversation instead of shooting back through emails all the time. And that seems to be working out pretty well so far. Uh, then everything else we've done is in small portions. If you can donate, it doesn't have to be $50 or $100. It can be $5. If you go to the store and, and you see buy one, get one free, can we, or can you donate the free one to whatever community kitchen is closest to you? So we're just not asking for ourselves, we're asking for everybody since we get, uh, got into the sharing mode. So far, it works out pretty good. And we're gonna do the same thing for Christmas once we get past Thanksgiving and talk about how it worked. And if it works out well, we're gonna try and duplicate it again for Christmas. That and we're working on uh, as usual, toiletry kits, hats, gloves, scarves, and socks, because that seems to be the big thing this year. Socks, uh, foot warmers, and underwear. And we we're reaching out to, to people. Uh, I had a friend of mine reach, uh, reach out to this uh, sock company. I think it's Bombas, where, where somebody buys one, they get one. And uh, we're just waiting for, uh, for a response for them. But so far, it seems like the more people that we reach out to, uh, if, if we ask to do what they can and not put uh, like a price tag on everything, we seem to be getting a better response because a lot of people are hurting out there. I think it's a lot of confusion and misinformation about stuff too. That doesn't seem to help. But so far it's been working out, basically networking with food pantries, uh, churches, synagogues, and all other not-for-profits in your area trying to come together as one. Maybe that's something that somebody else can think about doing because like I said, so far, so good. 
so here at the river for the holidays, uh, this this week we are providing Thanksgiving groceries. Um, we did a survey uh, last month just to get feedback from our customers about what what types of food would be most helpful. Um, and you know, last year we were able to get most of our holiday groceries for free through our local food bank. But of course, as their funding has changed, um, they weren't able to offer things uh, at no cost to us. Definitely cheaper than you know retail, um, but still still a cost. Um, but we're able to provide where it's about 115 pounds of of groceries, and folks get a choice of a chicken or a turkey. Um, and then you know mac and cheese muff corn muffin mix stuffing uh six about seven or eight different types of fresh produce um a good variety of uh you know other shelf stable sides to go along with everything as well as milk and eggs and butter um so really focused on on the holiday uh next week um and we typically on a yesterday was our first day of distribution this week and typically on a tuesday between our three distribution programs, we will serve about 210 households. Yesterday, we served 298, um, over 700 individuals. So in a week, we average around 700 households. And I think we'll probably break 900 to 950 this week. But you know what? That's, you know, we, we, we're glad that people know that we're here. And so they can come and get the food that will help them celebrate next year or next week as they're with families. Um, next week, we'll also uh, provide, we'll also create and provide a Thanksgiving meal. Um, we're preparing about 2,000 servings. Um, uh, the Met local uh, tech college in town is uh, doing the turkeys and mashed potatoes for us. And then our staff in the kitchen are able to focus on um, the other sides and then plating it and serving it. Um, so we'll, yeah, we're preparing 2000 servings to serve over three days to our community. Christmas will be really the same setup. We'll do groceries the week before and we'll do either chickens or hams as well as um, all the sides and fresh produce and then a Christmas meal um, the week of Christmas. And we also do a gift program um, just throughout the year through our food recovery efforts. Sometimes uh, retailers donate great toys, you know, or family items as well. Um, and so we'll tuck those aside. And then we also uh, recruit sponsors to uh, sponsor gifts for kids. And last year, our staff who led the gift program, I think, had gifts for about 550 kids. Um, and they already right now, they have almost 500 requests. And, you know, they still got a little less than a month before the the distribution, and I'm sure they'll they'll get well over 500, if not close to 600, again this year. Our holiday <clears throat> distributions both are very similar to Helen's um, in that we we are closed actually Thanksgiving week and Christmas week. So the week before that, we just provide mainly just an array of groceries that help round out what we think is a holiday meal. We do get feedback. So we drive toward food drives, donor relations in the area for these more specific items that will round out what we think is a holiday meal. Several years ago, we actually decided not to continue sourcing turkeys for Thanksgiving because we would get hundreds of them after Thanksgiving by donation. And that would take up space in our freezer situation before then anyway. So we decided to 
just change our tact and rely on the donations of turkeys after the fact of Thanksgiving. So we do prepare many more meats. They, they will get their choice this week of hams and or uh, roaster chickens, uh, full chickens or hens. So we do make some extra efforts with that. We also partner with another food provider who isn't really a food provider year round, but once a year, the Thanksgiving offer a huge meal on their site. It's just, they're another nonprofit, but they are more of a resourcing for food pantries uh, in this area. They do a meal. So we assist them with the logistics and all that and, and hope and hope that our clients are able to go to that meal location. And it is um, on a weekend around Thanksgiving, but we mainly really up our efforts with food drives with the community organizations that are giving to help gather those items that we really need so that everybody can get pretty much a table full of what you would expect for these holiday meals. We also do specific fundraising for special items like dairy or um, although uh, Fisher Jordan really provides us with all the milk dairy that we need every single week. But uh, we find other donors like for cheese um, a certain week or uh, other maybe desirable items, um, eggs on the weeks that we don't get those donated and things like that. We also have a huge potato drop here that we organize this year. The church doing it isn't organizing it until this weekend. So the our distribution would have just ended, but we're going to get a thousand pounds of uh, potatoes that'll last us after Thanksgiving into uh, almost Christmas. We don't do near the number that Helen described. We'll, we do predict that we will be up uh, 20 to 30 more percent because of the elevation of prices, but also just because of the need is increasing. Uh, we've seen a 50% increase of people who need us over the last year and a half. So last summer when it was way down because of the nice cares money trickling down from the government or not just trickling, but uh, really helping low income families, our numbers uh, dropped, uh, but now they are, have increased dramatically. So that's some of the things we're looking at. Warren, I remember last Thanksgiving, you had shared special recipes for lab cakes and jelly donuts. So any more information on other recipes and nice good things that you share with the members who visit the pantry? Wow. Well, we're, we're offering a few recipes, but this week, but with uh, some more tradition, we got in tons of butternut squash. So we did cooking and um, cooking tips and nutritional information and some recipes that can go along with the butternut squash if people don't know how to use it. We don't have specific plans this year to do the donuts, but maybe we should <laughs> redo that. We will hand out the Lochte's recipe um, probably between Thanksgiving and Christmas, just to make sure that our folks know that it, that what they can do with all these potatoes that we're going to be given. <laughs> so thanks for that reminder. It was a big hit last year. The few Jewish families that we serve, and it's, I'm sorry to say probably about a handful. We're just amazed that when we met people at the car and offered Lochte recipes, they were just amazed. What you're giving us Lochte recipes? Of course I know how to make them, but they, they were, they were loving it that we were offering them to everyone else. So yeah, Broomfield Fish, uh, we just had a ham and turkey drive last Saturday. Um, we got about 340 hams and turkeys donated. We had a um, tractor trailer semi 
with a freezer on it donated to keep the turkeys and hams in because our walk-ins are full. We also purchased some turkeys and hams. Little trouble getting hams this year. The stores, I guess, are shorted here on hams, but uh, we're getting some in. I think I'm getting 200 on Friday, so we should be good on turkeys and hams. We also have um, a couple holiday shelves that we put together that will have some different um, items on them for the holidays. Yeah, we'll have the traditional pumpkin and cranberries and things like that, um, stuffing, potatoes. Then we also have uh, uh, what we call holiday racks where we will have groups and organizations put together hot chocolate kits so they could be a bag or a basket or whatever that's got hot chocolate and whatever other goodies they want to put in there. We have baking kits where people get pretty creative putting cake mixes and other mixes together and frosting and different cookie cutter things and things like that. Uh, we have um, personal care kits that people will put together, snack kits for you know anybody that might want to watch football or something on Thanksgiving, they can do snack kits. So we just have a, a big variety of things and people put them in bags or baskets or little boxes and sometimes they're wrapped, sometimes they're not. And, our families really enjoy having the choice of picking out different um, baskets for their families. So that's a lot of fun. And then in addition to that, we just try and purchase as much produce as we can. Uh, we're trying to do different produce during the years that cater to what's in season and what um, our families may like. Yeah, we just got persimmons a couple weeks ago, which a lot of our um, families from, I think it's Eastern Europe and Western Asia really are excited that we have persimmons in. And then we just got some sugar cane, which nobody thought that that would go because they're big giant stalks of sugar cane. And um, they didn't make it a day. <laughs> so we got those and we also did some stuff for um, tamales. So we've got corn husks and things like that coming in. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, prices have been difficult, but we're trying to negotiate that and figure it out. But we're, we're having fun and enjoying it. You know, we're, we've got a lot of good partners and looking forward to this holiday season. Mike, if I could ask, how how was it finding the sugar cane? I mean, just sourcing it. So one of our produce suppliers that we purchased from, uh, I was talking with him and I'm like, do you have any suggestions or anything that might be a good holiday treat for our families? And he said, well, we've got a bunch of sugar cane and a lot of our Hispanic families are making this wonderful punch and a couple other things that they use with the sugar cane. He goes, and they're just going like hotcakes. He goes, so I would, he goes, I've got it available if you want some. So I was like, yeah, let's try it. You know, I was just a matter of just talking with one of our vendors. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a vendor like that where I'm located because I would love that. <laughs> uh, we have like about a 20% Hispanic. Uh, African, uh, they use sugar cane, uh, making different drinks. Yeah, I would like to have that resource. David, I was just wondering, um, how's the communication between you and the other agencies uh, to just share, I guess, what works best for you all when you have a shortage or an excess of something? Okay, so there's something called the NorSAC Anti-Hunger Network that we're a part of, and we have our own board. So what we do is, let's say that uh, I get a call, and if there's a tractor trailer, they tried to deliver something, and it didn't get accepted. They'll end up calling around trying to find out who would like to take this. 
it happened like maybe two months ago, and we took four pallets of fruit of apples that we couldn't use. So I told him, yeah, you you can drop them off that day. So I immediately got on the network and said, guys, I've got four pallets of apples. Whoever wants some, come and get them. So you you have to get together with the other not-for-profits in your area, build up a network, and have a common sharing board. And then that works, because then you can post when you have something. So whenever we get access to fresh fruit, that's an automatic share. That's on the top of the list with everybody. If you get access to a large amounts of fresh fruit, it's an automatic yell. Everybody, this is available. Come and get it. If you run into something that you've never seen before, you need to have make out a list of, of something that people have asked for. Because we always talk to our patrons. But like I said, all we do is network, 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 especially nowadays. So it helps. Like this, this is what we do, but we just do it through emails constantly because everybody's busy. So instead of a Zoom meeting, we have those every other month. But we just constantly shooting people emails each other emails this is what we have this is what we need and then if you if you get some that you don't need you shoot it out you yeah, have Dave, i did have a question about the um you mentioned the idea of sharing and and um you know with fruits and vegetables and, yeah. and uh the email list how do the logistics of that usually work so is it is it usually the person who has the access who who delivers it to the ones who need it or is it the okay. other way around um if i get a delivery if, if i get a call saying that somebody has something. It's just like next Monday, we do our produce mobile. We'll get between 10 to 15,000 pounds of produce. We'll start passing it out that day. But if we see we're gonna have an overabundance of something, we'll call the nearest not-for-profit that we know that feeds. Not the pantries first, but the ones that feed, if they feed the next day or the day after. And say, hey, look, we have this product. Do you wanna cook with it? Then we'll call the pantries. So that's the order that it goes in. The people that are feeding the, the next day, because it, it'll help them put their meal together. Are they the ones who pick it up from you, or do you get it to them somehow? Uh, they pick it up from us. That's the one thing. You have to go pick it up. Because with, especially with the price of gas, we ask that it's worth the drive. So it's not just for one case or something. We usually try and give enough to make it worthwhile. Half a pallet, a quarter of a pallet, 10 cases at least. It, it all depends on the weather, it all depends on the product, and it all depends on the needs on that board. And just setting it up, because if you talk to another director, it's like talking to yourself. They know your problems, they know your needs. It's basically the same, 70% of it. So you guys helping each other out, and there's never, there's never been a, a big problem. There's been small communications, that gets worked out quick. Because basically, we're all in the same business, so if we can't help each other out, that something's wrong. We service different areas, different communities, but we're all in the same business of helping people, of building community. We're our first responders. We have to help each other out, plain and simple. I would love to hear from others about the effects of the rising cost because it's affecting us all the way around, not just the families we serve, which it is affecting them greatly. Of course, we're, as I mentioned before, we're serving 50, percent more people than we were a year and a half ago. And just in the last eight months, uh, with the severity of the increase and the suddenness of uh, inflation, that jumped dramatically. Uh, and for us, it may not be as dramatic as for some of you all, but when our numbers go from 
120 families to 150 families in a month and a half. That's pretty drastic amount um, as far as percentage wise, but it's also affecting what we do get in and what we can afford. So there's sacrifices all around. Uh, I love Fisher Jordan's um, sort of standard of when they buy us produce that it can't be over a dollar per pound. Well, for months and months, I can't even get oranges that are, I, they went up to 42 to $43 per 40 pound case. So um, if we bought them, which we did, it was just at our expense and it would cost more, but I didn't do them near as frequently. Finally, they went down to $35 again this week and I bought a bunch of them hoping they'll last until after Thanksgiving, but it, it's impacting us all. And yeah. in the, the worst stories that I hear, and I'm not saying it's easier for people who have been in the hunger relief system for years. However, they do know how to navigate social services a little bit more readily than new families. And I'm not saying they're in a better position uh, because systemically we have issues that we ought to address, but it, I cannot tell you the number of families who have been so distraught over coming in here for the first time in their lives, needing food from a hunger relief agency and not knowing where to turn other than us. They don't know, you know, I mentioned what about SNAP benefits? What is SNAP? You know, they don't even, they sort of know what the food's, but they've never navigated that system before. And that that's really hard to hear, hard to see. But that's who that's that's the impacts that we're seeing on the rising food costs. So thanks for letting me jump in on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's actually where I was wanting us to go anyway. Um, so no, you were right on time. Uh, but yeah, it'd be great to hear from everybody about that. Yes. I mean, you know, echoing Warren, we're continuing to see a lot of uh, people who are brand new to the river and just, you know, by talking with folks, people are sharing that this is the first time not just coming to the river, but coming to a food pantry and they're unsure of what to do next. Um, and so, you know, luckily uh, United Way has kind of an, an all in one resource that they can call, um, which is really helpful. But a lot of times people have never heard of it. You know, they 211, like I just dialed 211. And, you know, I'd never heard of that before working here either. Um, so just trying to be as much of a resource as possible, especially for families who are visiting us for the first time um, and interacting with any type of support agency for the first time. But yeah, we're we're definitely getting customers who are also requesting deliveries more often because they don't have gas, they can't afford gas in their car anymore. And then that's really putting the pressure on our coordinator to try and do more deliveries, but with the same amount of volunteers in the same space that she has to work. And so we're we're having to look at um, how often we can do deliveries just to make it sustainable. Um, because right now the, our, the request is very much outweighing our capabilities at the moment. And also, yeah, I'm looking at what I what I spent on food in 2021 compared to what I've spent on food in 2022. There's a significant difference. And, you know, just budgeting and preparing for 2023, there's going to be even less available at no cost. Um, so more funds are having to be used to in order to serve all the folks that we have coming um, here and, you know, deserve the stable groceries. So, and yeah, again, having those kind of pantry staples uh, from Fisher Jordan is, is extremely, extremely helpful. Yeah, we're, we're seeing a lot of the same things, you know, um, more families coming in, new families coming in that have never been to a food pantry before. Um, also, the families that are coming in are 
are getting more items per shop. They just need to stock up more on what they can get here and and try and supplement whatever else they may need somewhere else. But um, yeah, I feel fortunate that we we have quite a bit of um, a selection for our families. The prices have been crazy. I, you know, we've been purchasing, well, we were purchasing about 300 dozen eggs a week to give out. And with like the egg prices more than doubling, we've gone down to limiting our eggs to one dozen for, for family right now as they come in and shop. Hopefully we'll be getting that back up because I think we're in the same boat as as others, you were trying to figure out our budgets and grants and what money is coming in, what do we have available, and um, and trying to play that game right now. And um, I think we're we're hopefully going to be able to get our eggs back up to where we were before. But um, the prices have really had an impact on trying to figure out what we're going to be able to provide and what we can purchase and and do what we can for our families. Um, you did mention one thing, Helen, about deliveries. One of the things that we've started doing, and I don't know if you guys, if anybody has done that, but we've partnered up with DoorDash, and they are able to provide free delivery service for nonprofits. And we've been doing that with um, our No Kid Hungry program. And we're also looking to try and expand that a little bit to some of our families that have mobility issues. So um, that's it's exciting. Hope that it can last. I don't know what the funding is for DoorDash, but that's it's it's an awesome resource right now for us. And other than that, yeah, it's just been crazy. I mean, when I hear you guys talk, I, I'm just nodding my head because I think we all have the same exact things going on everywhere. So appreciate all your comments, guys. Hey, Mike, quick question. What state are you in? I'm in uh, Colorado, David. Um, Broomfield, Colorado, right between Denver and Boulder. Okay, so because that service, that DoorDash service, they offer that deal in, in Chicago too. So I guess that's yeah, all over. Because we 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 just started looking into that, uh, and it's free here too. So hopefully the funding doesn't run out. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think it's a nationwide service that DoorDash is doing. Okay, and how's it working out so far? It's working out great. We've had a couple glitches with some drivers that they haven't been able to navigate. We've got a couple um, mobile home parks okay. where the addressing is really weird and they get frustrated and they don't deliver it. They bring it to the clubhouse. Okay. Um, but other than that, it's worked out really good. They contact the families, um, send them a text saying that it's the delivery is on the way, they right. okay. that it's been delivered. So it, it's worked out good. I'm glad to hear it's working well in your area, Mike. There, our area in, has embraced it as well. It, it doesn't fit now for our pantry deliveries because of other things I won't go into, but our Meals on Wheels site that is, is located at our site, and it's sort of a different staff that comes in. We share the facility or we partner with them. They do it four days out of the five days a week, and um, it's beginning to work well. They've had a lot of glitches. Um, I think the main concern we all share with that is when you have a DoorDasher coming in, they're not necessarily doing it because of the mission. They're doing it because they're going to get paid down the line. So there have been problems with the follow through of some of those drivers and with attitude and some of those things, just because their mind is not necessarily on hunger relief, 
they're they're just taking a meal just like they would have signed up for one going to a restaurant and getting it so i think that is some of the challenge that we as hunger relief agencies have if we work with doordash but i am so glad that it's working in your area and i've heard that others who have been involved in it have had a pretty good success with it i'm glad you just said that walter that just put another thought to my mind yeah i wonder if there's a pre-screening process some way that we can talk to the individual that's going to be driving that car to see where they're at how, how they feel about what they're doing before we we have them do that service so that way we get a chance to talk to these so just not somebody showing up we get a chance to talk to the individual to see if they're aligned a little bit more with what we're doing yeah and we we've been working with doordash for a few months now and it it has been a um a big kind of kind of like the requesting of deliveries uh is kind of cumbersome um i mean we've gotten used to it but it's um it hasn't we're very thankful for it but it just in our space it it isn't i don't know right now it's not working as well as we all hope it it will eventually um and as david as i understand it the 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 drivers the dashers who qualify to make these deliveries for nonprofits, um they actually they're like the best rated drivers okay. um really? but i think it's definitely useful to have conversations with you know your representative from doordash just yeah. to set expectations of like we'll have drivers sometimes pull up to pick up 60 pounds of groceries but they have two babies in car seats in the back seat and another passenger in the front seat or sometimes three door dashers three dashers will pick come and all of them were assigned for one delivery um okay so coordination uh yeah okay yeah uh, i think it's 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 a bit of a like it's it's kind of a steep learning curve but then if if you can work through the glitches it can be really really helpful all right thank you because the, the area that we serve is one of the most diverse in the country there's like over 100 languages spoken here um, so that might become an issue yeah in rogers park but i think i will look into it but yeah thank you for the input because now it puts more questions in my mind but i will look into it though thanks guys appreciate it do you all have anything else that you want to share about unique partnerships like this um mm -hmm. i actually was not aware of this program that doordash was doing so it's great to hear about it um from your perspective but are there any other things like this that you could share with something that's working for you in your area that you you think could also be of benefit to uh, other people doing the same kind of work like you said mike a lot of similar problems but that's part of why we're doing this here is to to see what solutions are working for folks but anything else like that that you guys are thinking of that you'd like to share more about well i will say very quickly that all areas of the nation have what's called triple a's agency for aging i assume you are located in one of those and um like our area does uh, 20 of our senior deliveries every single week. So we package those up differently and they are more in it for um, the cause. And we can instruct that we have a direct partnership with them. So it's not so cumbersome. Um, so, I mean, we just pack them down every week with a box of food per person, but also uh, we package eggs, milk, meats, and other items separately and they just pick they just go and they just deliver that all so i've worked with our agency on aging most of them have funding to set aside for transfer see the way they get around it is they're they're held responsible to get seniors to medical 
shopping, other kinds of appointments. And so the money that they would have used for that, bringing them here to get their food, they're now delivering it to them. Oh, okay. So it's sort of a balancing point with them as well. Um, one partnership that I've been trying, partnerships I've been trying to build and sustain more too is just with local grocery stores. Um, a lot of times, or a few times, some of the ones that I've, I've spoken with, I'll go and, you know, introduce myself as from a food pantry. And especially if we do recovery at their store, they'll, I've been able to get things at cost from them that I can't find through uh, one of our typical bulk vendors, which has been really helpful. Like I've been, I've been having a really hard time finding two pound bags of flour. And that's something we like to offer at least a handful of times throughout the year. And luckily one of the local Walmarts in town uh, who we do pick, who we do recovery from, they're really the only ones who I can find two pound flour through and their staff is willing to kind of put in the time and energy to get it to the store so we can pick it up. So like those, those vendor relationships, like with local grocery stores can be really helpful. I ran into that too, but we kept getting like 20 and 30, uh, 50 pound bags of flour and sugar. So yeah. we took work lock bags and we had volunteers break them down for delivery day. Like today is a delivery day. So we break them down into one and two pound bags and put them in, in double Ziploc bags. Cause I didn't want to turn and say no to the 50 pound of flour cause we wanted it. So right. thank God for Ziploc. <laughs> just broke them all down. <laughs> Makes it easy. Yeah. I'm actually curious. I know we were talking about inflation and um, Mike, you mentioned eggs and, and Warren, I know we, we've talked a lot about eggs. Is eggs one of the kind of one of the items where people are feeling the crunch? And if so, are there other kind of specific items where um, there's kind of a disproportionate amount of, of pricing pressure that people are seeing? Um, we're still able to get eggs uh, through our food bank at no cost to us. And I believe um, which, yeah, we're very thankful for. Uh, I know something that's going to really hit us in the new year is meat. Uh, we've been able to get a good amount of meat for free from our food bank, but that their funding is ending at the end of the year. And so that's something we're going to have to start purchasing um, on our own moving forward. Maybe a quick response, Boaz, is ours are sort of hit and miss. So what we get now is more of a response of something like, wow, y'all never have butter anymore. or wow, I don't get juice from you all as fresh juice as much as I used to. Um, and that's because we're either not getting it by donation or we're choosing not to purchase that every now and then because of the price. And, and so that's where we're making some sacrifice. So um, if, however, on the weeks that we do not carry the eggs and there are occasionally times we don't, they always mention that like, Oh, I didn't get my eggs last week. And I say, well, yeah, no one did got their eggs last week or you're not getting. So now we actually tell them when they come pick up, this is one of the weeks you won't be getting eggs. And that's very infrequently, but it's usually now about once a month. Yeah. Eggs have been pretty big for us here. Just, um, I think Colorado has been hit pretty hard with, um, avian flu. We had a couple egg farms where I think they had to destroy, over a million birds. Been a little rough on our, our egg prices. You know, we have grants that are, they want us to purchase Colorado only. So that's been a little difficult. I've been finding eggs here and there. Um, and then the produce, produce prices have been interesting because they fluctuate. I think Warren even hit on that. And I know Diva and I've been going 
on a monthly basis looking at the different produce items and prices and it's just been crazy how things will jump and oranges or bananas whatever it may be um so those are the two biggest things that i've i've noticed price wise butter is another one that has gone up in price recently too so it's been hard all the way around on prices it's been the juice with me because we used to give away a lot of orange juice but what we did because we always send out stuff and we send out our boxes of bags we reminded them about uh the disaster in florida and how that's going to affect the juice crop so expectations were dropped a little bit about them not they didn't fuss as much the butter uh yeah they they talk about that about once a week because that does seem to be a problem now but the juice they, they understand that um the eggs we don't get requests for eggs that much uh, some but not as much as we used to so that seems to be okay but our, our biggest problem right now is butter butter or, or margarine and margarine i really don't like passing out uh that and cooking oil but i think i might have found a, a way for us to get some from a, a wholesale house. I don't know. I've got somebody who's talking to them for me, and we'll see. And if it works out, I'll let you guys know uh, about the process because we're trying to go straight to the, the manufacturer with this to see if they just can't start uh, donating a certain por a portion to non for profits in the Chicago area. We'll see. If you don't ask, you don't know. But butter and oil that's my biggest problem right now i'll quickly throw in that for our families with small children they are really struggling with diapers and baby oh, food God, yes and i don't spend any money on diapers at all i mean we're a food bank so i rely on donations or other people we do have a diaper bank nearby that we can refer people to but I, we don't have any budget for diapers we do have a small budget if we ever have to buy baby food, but we hardly ever do. We rely on donations there and the asks for those two items have increased. I mean, that's where I wonder if they're sacrificing at home, you know, like, yeah, I'm watering down my baby milk or I'm watering or I'm keeping the diapers on longer just so that I won't have to change them that frequently and save. I, so it, it's been, it's been really hard on new families with infants and toddlers. Uh, there's an organization out in Evanston that we refer all them to. That's all they deal with is babies, diapers, food, all of that. Uh, they have no adult anything out there. That's all they do. It's a church out there, and we refer any requests like that out to them. Uh, yeah, because we don't either. We don't get donations like that. But luckily, there's a place. That's all they do. So all referrals go straight out to them. Uh, and so far except for like the last couple of months they've been having problems like everybody else because of shortages but yeah before they used to keep up pretty good they, they, they constantly got good donations in but yeah but we don't at all friends thank you all for being on here and and just sharing a little bit more about what's going on I'm excited to get this out um ahead of thanksgiving so thank you we're a big community worldwide community absolutely Thank you guys and happy holidays. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for all you do. My name is Nathan Johnson, and this podcast is produced in-house for Fisher Jordan, a New York-based strategy consulting, thought leadership, and outsourcing firm 
providing decision makers in financial services and healthcare with clear strategies backed by analytics and enabled by tailored technology solutions. As a reminder, you can always find and subscribe to Views from the Crow's Nest on all major streaming platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and more. And of course, you can always access it directly via podcast.fisherjordan.com. Finally, if you have any comments or questions on today's episode, feel free to send us an email, engage at fisherjordan.com, and we will see you from the crow's nest.